0: Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. So, dear friends, in the the last uh, few uh, sermons, we've been looking at this uh, ability to judge, uh, think, and act rightly. And last sermon, I spoke about how God gave us the four cardinal virtues uh, to be able to assist us in that. And last sermon, we looked at the virtue of uh, prudence and how that is to moderate. All that we think do and say and I gave you some some tips some rules that might be of assistance to you there and today we're looking at uh, this uh, gift of fortitude which is so essential for us in the spiritual life and fortitude is given to us to be able uh, to endure the difficult things or to act bravely in going about doing the things that we are expected to do uh, and so fortitude has the twofold aspect of uh, being active and passive at the same time so it can be some situations require us to act bravely or to do something whether it's just get up and go to work or do our duty or other things require us to just to be able to endure to suffer well the difficulty that we are confronted with uh, whether it's um, uh, something we lost, a friend, family member, uh, some sadness that has come over us, some trial, some difficulty, uh, to bear it with patience, humility, uh, that requires fortitude. So fortitude is both active and passive, and both of them are needed at different times. Sometimes it's a question of doing something, enduring something difficult. Other times it's a question of suffering well, bravely, and, and more often in our life, it's, it's a bit of a combination of both, uh, but more often really, uh, real heroism is, is shown in the ability to endure difficulties. So, and we're going to look at that. I think the problem is when we speak about fortitude, we can have a wrong understanding of uh, what we're talking about. So I'm going to try and give some clarity, some rules, some, some guidance and assistance for us in, in this aspect. Fortitude also has with accompanying virtues. One of them is uh, uh, regarding that that passive aspect is that of mortification, mortification of uh, the flesh. And then later on we'll see a bit more of that when it comes to the virtue of temperance because temperance's is, is goal is to help us there. But it helps us to mortify our fears, our anger, our lusts, all these things. Uh, it helps us to moderate these things more uh, according to our duty of state. But along with it is that virtue of endurance, endurance uh, in the difficulties, uh, and the courage to endure difficulties, and the courage also to uh, act bravely in the difficulty. It also has the ability uh, to aid us to be tranquil, to be tranquil amidst the storm uh, around us. We, uh, even in our temper, and that's not easy. And along with that is the spirit it brings with it is that spirit of detachment. But in this case of fortitude, we're talking here of letting go in the sense of the martyrs who were willing to let go of even their life for the sake of a higher good, and that is uh, for the sake of eternal life. And here, martyrdom is uh, one of the key uh, realities in the lives of the saints who were the dead to the world, so to speak. Uh, but uh, connected with this virtue is there also those other beautiful virtues, where, which work as a great assistance. And that is magnanimity, which uh, gives us the ability to willingness, willingness to do great things for God. I want to do something great for God in my life, and and little can be little things, like in the way of Saint Teresa of Lisieux, whose feast we celebrated recently. Those little triumphs each day uh, over self. Uh, and the magnificence, the virtue that inclines us to, to spend lavishly on on others, to build things for God, whether it's a church or a hospital, or, or do something for our neighbour, uh, had a friend who was quite well off, and he, he would often donate uh, uh, machinery to the to the hospitals, uh, machinery which costed hundreds of thousands of dollars, uh, to be able to assist the hospitals to provide better services uh, or other services which they wouldn't be able to provide without this technology. Uh, today we tend to uh, make fundraisers and expect everybody else to pay for things, but he wanted to give what he could without asking anyone's assistance. He wanted to make this generous sacrifice, this uh, uh, coming from this generous spirit which he had. Uh, again of course that's related to the virtue of detachment. Uh, letting go for the sake of a higher good. Uh, it comes with this virtue also, the virtue of patience that allows us to moderate the evils that we suffer in this life, humiliations, uh, insults, uh, and all those things which tend to often lead us today uh, to disordinate sadness, uh, falling into the sin, and I'll add the word sin, of depression, discouragement. It is a sin to grieve the Holy Ghost in this way, being insulted, yeah, uh, we bear it manfully. Holy Ghost uh, allows us the gift of fortitude to be able to endure the difficulties, the insults, the humiliations. And you see it today. You say something to somebody and the first instance they sulk. They walk away and sulk. They chuck a tantrum, uh, get over it. Uh, But they are all uh, effeminate. As soon as you say something uh, they don't like or uh, they feel hurt by it, what do they do? They chuck a tantrum. They sulk uh, and they... uh, uh, walk away. They don't confront things uh, manfully with the virtue of patience, humility, uh, which fortitude requires of us. Uh, it gives us, fortitude gives us this constancy in the strength of mind. And this is a mark of the saints. They, saints were always, what we say in Latin, they were always the same. Unlike modern man, one day he's happy, one day he's sad, one day he's He's over the moon, exuberant. The next day he's downcast. The saints were always of even temper. This is the virtue of constancy, which is linked with this virtue of fortitude. Fortitude, the great tool to help us grow in that is, what our Lord says, is the growth in the love of God. Love God with your whole heart, your whole mind, and your whole strength. If we put God first, then we'll have the supernatural optic by which we judge everything and we're ready to let go of everything for the sake of the love of God. And this is then our great strength. Uh, ability to have somewhat uh, foresight, but not in the sense that we spoke about for that of uh, prudence. Prudence allows us to think ahead and see what might uh, uh, come up in the future. But here the, the, fortitude, uh, the, prud- the foresight of prudence is to see what will come up in the future and allow us to be aware of uh, what it's going to cost us, and then the courage to say, "Yes, I know. I know what it's going to cost me, either for in terms of either action or in terms of enduring suffering. But yes, I, I consent to that, and I wholeheartedly and determined to uh, continue on this on this path. Uh, a great assistance is for us here is to meditate, to think about uh, why am I here." Uh, to think about the life of our Lord, the saints, what they endured, how they were brave, how they were manful. And I think, if I can say, I think we don't, um, we don't meditate enough on the lives of the saints. Most of us don't even work, spend time reading their lives. And, you know, we celebrated the, yesterday the beautiful Feast of Our Lady of the Rosary, which commemorates the beautiful battle of the victory of the Christians over the Mohammedans. Uh, the stories of the lives of the saints, the victories of uh, the Catholics over the enemies of our faith. Uh, and, and a lot of the time, if you again read in the, the lives of uh, the saints, or if you read in the, I, I certainly love military history, you read in the, the battles of uh, the Christians throughout history against the, the Mohammedans. Very often, almost in every battle, they were outnumbered 10 to 1. And almost every single battle they won through the assistance of God. There were some battles, yes, they lost, uh, and that's because they were presumptuous and didn't pray, didn't turn to God. But almost every time they did turn to God, at number ten to one, they defeated the Mohammedans. Uh, it's an encouragement. to a fortitude. Uh, these enemies of our faith are not somebody or something that we need to fear. On the contrary, and it's a privilege and honour. To, to fight for our Lord and in fact if you read and I could go on this point forever but I won't but you, you read somewhere like Saint uh, uh, the saints uh, you read that in the, there was the statutes for the, the Knights Templars uh, which was put together by Saint Bernard and he said he states in there if a Templar in battle ever retreats at that instant he commits a mortal sin and then if you die retreating you'll die and go to hell why? Because as a, it would be a shame, he says, for a Christian to to retreat uh, against an enemy. We fight, we go forward. And if we die, then we die in the Lord. What a privilege and honour to die for our Lord. It's something that we have lost today. But you read these lives of the saints, the writings, and this encourages us to fortitude, to fight bravely in this life for the sake of the greater realities that await us. And it's why I think that Prayer and meditation are so powerful a tool uh, for our fortitude. And it's no wonder that in a time when we don't pray, when we don't meditate anymore, that we are so filled with discouragement, we are so prone to depression and, and all sorts of sadness which overcome us and overwhelm us. And we don't know how to get out of it. Well, well the solution is, again, as I say, prayer and meditation. And added to that, says St. Thomas Aquinas, mortification. Uh, help us to uh, cease giving into the, the the our feelings and our emotions. Uh, the gospel in the uh, the Old Testament speaks to us about this uh, in the book of Proverbs, and many of you are familiar with it, the the words of uh, which God tells us about the the valiant woman. And I think they're worth reading, not because it's about a woman or because it's about somebody being valiant, but because it expresses to us how God wants us to act manfully in this life. Uh, who shall find a valiant woman? Far from the utmost coast is the price of her. In other words, in God sees such a person of, to be of such treasure, of such value, and so does anyone else who comes in contact with this sort of a person. It says that the heart of her husband trusts in her, and he shall have no need of spoils. She will render him good and not evil all the days of her life. She has sought wool and flax and has wrought by the counsel of her hands. She is like the merchant ship. She brings her bread from afar and she has risen in the night and given prey to her household and victuals to her maidens. She has considered a field and bought it. And with the fruit of her hands, she has planted a vineyard. She has girded her loins with strength and has strengthened her arm. She has tasted and seen her traffic is good. Her lamp shall not be put out in the night. She has put out her hand to the strong things, and her fingers have taken hold of the spindle. She has opened her hand to the needy and stretched out her hands to the poor. That's the spirit. A life of sacrifice, of dedication, of duty. And this is what uh, being a man of fortitude means. To do our duty regardless of the cost not looking at what is it going to cost me. Uh, someone who has this uh, mindset is going to do what is good because this is what God and my duty expect of me. We do things then uh, in the spirit of fortitude, which means that we do them with a spirit of promptness, diligence and determination without hesitation. And, and uh, you know, today if you ask somebody to do something in general, uh, yeah, we'll get to it one day eventually. Uh, the spirit of diligence, of promptness, is lost and so sad. Uh, you know, it's a very good thing. Sometimes people will call me, Father, I need help with this thing or that thing. Do you know somebody who can help me? I'll say, yeah, so i call so-and-so. I just mentioned Father recommended you. And often they'll, these are the people you know that you can trust. They're not going to let you down. They'll, they'll get something done promptly and in accordance with the way that you want it. That's, a, that's someone you... We know that we all look to when we need something. Somebody who has a sense of promptness, of diligence, um, who's not going to put us off for 10 years uh, to get something done. Uh, we, we all admire this in others. This is what we must be ourselves, uh, which means that we must be punctual. And Often people have such a poor attitude there when it comes to even just getting to Mass on time. It's like they, uh, uh, they were asked to do... Uh, some major feat in life. They think it an accomplishment to get to church or to get there on time. An example here, and I, I don't want to, when, you, when I speak about fortitude, to think about somebody who is just physically tough because often physically tough people are often the most effeminate you'll, you'll meet in your life. So we're not talking about just physical strength. That's That may sometimes be an aspect of it, but very rarely is it. It's more the mental attitude uh, coupled with the the willingness to do what we are, is expected of us. And here I'm just going to use an example which you might not think is related, but very much so uh, it is. Uh, and that is the story in the Gospel of the Canaanite woman. And one of the, This is one of the episodes in the Gospel that is so badly misunderstood by modern man today. Here the story of uh, the, Can- the woman uh, of Canaan who came uh, out of the coast, uh, says St. Matthew, Crying out and said uh, to our Lord, Have mercy on me, O Lord, Thou Son of David. My daughter is grievously troubled by the devil. Who answered her not a word. In other words, our Lord just seemed to ignore her. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she cries after us. And he answering said, I will. Uh, I was not sent but to the sheep that are lost of the house of Israel. But she came and adored him, saying, Lord, help me. Answering said, "It is not good to take the bread of the children and cast it into uh, the dogs." But she said, "Yea, Lord, for the whelps also eat of the crumbs that fall from the table of their masters." Then Jesus, answering, and said to her, "O woman, great is your faith. Be it done to you as you will." And her daughter was cured at that hour. The woman was determined. The woman uh, had a problem. She sought a solution. She sought our Lord, and she had confidence in his power. Problem is that she knew very little about our Lord. We all here know far more of our Lord, and about him, and who he was, and his whole mission, and and what he done, than she did at all. She just knew he had some power, miraculous power. And yet, uh, the disciples cast her aside Our Lord at first totally ignores her. And then, on top of that, our Lord somewhat humiliates her. Uh, It's not fitting uh, to take the bread of the children and give it to the dogs. Uh, Our Lord humiliates her. It sounds like our Lord insults her. And she's not deterred. She presses on. And not only that, she presses on, but she also challenges our Lord. Our Lord uses this example. And she says, well, yeah, even even the dogs eat... the." from the bread, that, the crumbs that fall from the, the owners. Uh, am I not worthy of even those crumbs? And our Lord is amazed at her determination and her courage to challenge him, her fortitude. And our Lord then rewards her and he says to her, your faith, your faith is great, be it done to you as you requested." Uh, and you see the link then between faith and fortitude. And and yet she's a feeble woman, a Canaanite, a pagan, somebody who has no reason to be heard, no merit before God, and yet she's not deterred. And our Lord rewards her fortitude, her faith. We'll come back to this a little bit more. But here this brings out to us a very important point, that knowledge does not confer on us virtue alone. Knowledge coupled with action is requires makes something virtuous, someone virtuous. We often know, uh, I think we know more than enough of our faith, but we very little act on it. Uh, we uh, often choose, for example, right, you can give him many. Whether it's in your moral life, whether it's in your financial life, whether it's in your uh, health. Uh, You know, most people know, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to know that, a constant diet of junk food is not going to be good for you, and make you sick. Most people know that, but most people don't follow that. Uh, Why? Because knowing something and doing something, they're not the same thing. We live in a time, we live in a world where most people, particularly in the Western world certainly, and even in the East today, most people are educated. Do we live in a time where people are virtuous? No. Why not? Because knowledge is not virtue. And this is a myth of the leftists that uh, just by education will solve the world's problem. Not at all. Uh, It's by the virtues, and particularly by uh, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because knowing something uh, doesn't mean that we're going to do it. It, Not at all. Uh, Knowing virtue doesn't mean we're going to be virtuous. It's living the virtuous life. And this is why we can say that fortitude... In a certain sense, is all the other virtues when we need them the most. What do I mean by saying that? Fortitude is all the other virtues when we need need it the most. It is easy to be good when being good is easy. Uh, It's easy to tell the truth when telling the truth is not going to cost you anything. But if telling the truth is going to mean you're going to suffer something as a result of it, how willing are we to tell the truth? If, uh, you know, it's easy to be good in front of others, but behind closed doors, how do we behave? Uh, That's another thing. Uh, In other words, if we are not really uh, living up to a particular virtue, whether it's being truthful, being just, uh, when it's easy to do those things, then are we really truthful? Are we really just? Are we really generous? Uh, It's easy to put on a facade and it's easy to be... uh, good when others are watching us but when they're not how are we and to be good to be just to be virtuous in those times requires really virtue of fortitude because it's easy for us to appear uh, and good i remember that uh, you know it's easy that when we talk about the the um the, uh, this vice of hypocrisy hypocrisy is as one priest will said, it's the the virtue, that, uh, the, uh, the homage that vice pays to virtue. In other words, even vice knows to put on a fake facade. And most people today are fake. And I'm not talking about the external appearance of people. That's To some degree, that's important to, to make up and all that and all those things. They're somewhat an act of charity. But talking about the internal fakeness, uh, empty, shallow, and hollow, because they lack virtue. And particularly the virtue of fortitude to do uh, the right thing. Uh, and we see this uh, again if I go back to the example of the Canaanite woman. Uh, she was, uh, it was hard for her. Uh, the disciples of our Lord rejected her. Our Lord appeared to reject her, and yet she pressed on. Uh, she was determined, regardless of the humiliation, the insult. She could have walked away and, 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 and do like so many people do Ah, oh, aren't you supposed to be a man of religion? Uh, aren't you supposed to be merciful? Uh, and gee, our Lord would have just walked away, ignored her. You can poke all the insults back you want, but she embraced the humiliations, and she responded very, very wisely. Not insulting our Lord, not rebuking our Lord, but uh, reasoning with our Lord. What a beautiful attitude! What a beautiful response! What a courageous response! So easy it is when when our passions get flared up to respond with our passions instead of being calm, cool, recollected, and looking at the situation as it is, and addressing the situation as it is. That's the beautiful spirit that she demonstrated for us. Today, uh, we have in the modern world, both in the church and the state, a world ruled by effeminate people, immoral, degenerates, and perverted, both in the church and in the state. And here, the prophet Isaiah warned us many years uh, ago, uh, God will send this reality as a punishment. I will give the children to be their princes, and the effeminate shall rule over them, and the people shall rush one upon another, and every man against his neighbor. And these effeminates become, as I've said to you before, they become tyrannical, not merciful. And you see today, they again, this whole garbage of the Yes vote for, as if they care about the Aborigines. Give me a break. The, the whole of Australia is suffering from the, the great rate of inflation. Everything is going up and then they tell you they care about these people. Uh, well, how about helping the greater bulk of Australia? Nobody cares. Nobody cares. It's just a facade to, to justify their perverted agenda. And in the church, we see the same thing. Five cardinals recently, they wrote to the Pope uh, asking for some clarity on his perverse agenda. Five cardinals. Where were the rest of them? To write and say, you know, we are concerned about the perverted agenda in the direction you're leading the church. Silence. From those who know better, they know the catechism, they know the faith. Where are all the hundreds of them to, to write along with the bishops? We have a problem with your perverted agenda. But you see, it's easier to go along, it's easier to turn a blind eye, both in the church and in the state. Uh, and, and in the state it's easier to, to as a Catholic say, well, it's just politics. I don't get involved in politics. Really? Well, politics gets involved with you, whether you get involved with it or not. It's going to affect you, whether you get involved or not. You live in this world, whether you like it or not. Oh, that's the bishops, that's the Pope. He, you know, he, no, no, it, it's your church. Uh, you should be concerned. Uh, you should say something, you're the bishops, you're the uh, cardinals, uh, you're the priests, you should be concerned. Uh, it's going to affect you and it's going to affect the church. Uh, you're not going to be exempt from it. Whether you want to ignore it or not, it doesn't take away the problem. It just makes it worse. And it makes you more culpable. Knowing the truth and then doing nothing about it only makes you culpable in every field of life, whether it's secular or religious. You know better. And therefore, if you don't do better, you just become culpable. You can't walk away from seeing, knowing, or hearing the truth and think that you're going to be the same before God and men when you stand in judgment. If Somebody witnesses a crime, and they say some, nothing about it. They're not in the same state as somebody else who didn't witness the crime, and they're asking, well, I didn't know. Somebody who witnessed it and says nothing, they're called an accessory to the crime. Uh, so same thing for us. When we hear of our truths of our faith, and we don't live up to it, well, we become culpable before God and men. We have a duty uh, before God. This is why St. James says, Be ye uh, doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. You know, uh, most of our forefathers, they never got a university degree. And yet, we with our university degrees and all of our education, most of them probably never had a fifth grade education. And yet, they were far more virtuous, noble, and wise than we will ever be with all of our education. Has it made us better? I think not, because we are not we don't have the virtue upon which knowledge must truly rest, for it to be great. Uh, and without that virtue, particularly that of fortitude, we will more likely not save our soul. Because we live in a time of perversion all round. And without the courage and the conviction, we will not live up to what is required of us. And therefore we'll suffer the consequence of that. You know, St. Thomas Aquinas one day, his his sister wrote to him, asked him how to be a saint. And he wrote back one thing, but three times. He said to her, you must will it, you must will it, you must will it. In other words, you must want it with your whole heart, your whole soul and your whole mind. That's how you become a saint. Put all your effort, all your energy, your time. And if we look at what the energy, the time, the effort we put into the things of this world in comparison to what we put into our faith, it really tells us where your treasure is, there your heart is. Uh, You know, a very stunning thing that dawned on me recently, and it's just a few words I saw, and it was very, uh, it's a heart-rendering statement, and that is King David, you know the story of King David and and Goliath, the little boy David. David conquered uh, Goliath but uh, david himself was conquered by bethsheba and uh, you think that you think that bethsheba was a far uh, weaker uh, challenge for david uh, than goliath was i mean you'd be more terrified of goliath than you would be of bethsheba and yet because david didn't conquer himself he himself was conquered by a weaker thing and this is so important for us Uh, We can, and again, don't make this why I say don't make the mistake that when you think about uh, fortitude, you think about being tough. No, it's about acting manfully. Uh, And here, uh, St. Augustine says for this reason conquer yourself, and the world lies at your feet. You know, we all know how much greatness a a virtuous leader, a virtuous man can do for those around them. and here, St. himself, of all people, should know. And he tells us in this regard, well, how do we conquer ourselves? He says, God does not command the impossible, but by commanding, admonishes you to do what you can and to pray for what you cannot and aids you to do that, what you need to do uh, with his strength. And so we, 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 we look to God for confidence, you know another example, which again i 'm using I use the, so many examples of the women because sometimes when we speak about fortitude again i don 't want to use the men uh, saints because you 'd be thinking of of some heroic deed, but you know another beautiful woman I, I, I often think of in the Old Testament, one of my favorite characters is is abigail that's you who 's Abigail well, abigail. Uh, was a woman whose husband, uh, Nabil, he, he was a terrible, foolish man. And King David, when he was um, escaping from Saul, he, he, he sent his men to ask for some help. And he rebuked them and he insulted David. And so David said, well, uh, gather up gather up his men. We're going to go and we're going to put this man to death. His wife, Abigail, on hearing this, she gathers up all the food. She gets her maidens, uh, make a... Uh, uh, as much resources, money, food for King David. She rides on her horse with her maidens and they confront King David head on. And she bows before him, presents all this wealth, all this uh, food, all these material needs, and she apologises for the foolishness of her husband. She pleads for mercy for his soul and she moves the heart of King David to mercy and lets him go. And that evening she tells her husband what had taken place. and. Upon hearing this, her husband is so struck that he, he has a, stru- uh, 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 like a heart attack and he dies. And King David, on hearing this, goes back to Abigail and he asks her to take, uh, to take her in marriage. He's so enamored by the, the brilliance, the, the, the courage and the greatness of this woman. A woman who can acknowledge, yes, my husband is, is a fool. My spouse is a fool, but he's he's my spouse. I have a duty towards him. And uh, I have to be humble in this situation. I have to accept the humiliation. And I have to make a sacrifice of our our means to to appease David. Whether I like him or not, this is my duty in this situation. And she wins the heart of David. Well, going back to the story of the Canaanite woman, With her courage and fortitude, she doesn't just win the heart of our Lord. She wins the heart of God. And she obtains a supernatural miracle uh, for herself. And imagine the graces she wins to obtain uh, the seeds of eternal life. And this is so important for us when we consider this reality of, of valiance, of brilliance, of fortitude in our time. And yesterday, as I said, we celebrated a beautiful feast of Our Lady of the Rosary. Uh, those, those men who went into battle, they were outnumbered. Humanly speaking, there was no way they could conquer. But armed with their rosaries, armed with their uh, regular prayer, confession, communion, uh, confidence in the power of God, intercession of the Pope and the Mother of God, well, they, they came out victorious. They conquered. And they spared Christendom the invasion of Islam. Uh, without that battle, today probably we would all be bowing to Mecca, infidels, enemies of God on the road to hell. But they held them back, the power of God, fortitude and courage. God required them to go into battle. God wasn't going to fight their battle for them, but with them, through them. Uh, and this is what we want for ourselves. Let us turn to Our Lady, uh, Our Lady of the Roses to give us the courage, the fortitude, the zeal for the glory of God and the salvation of our soul so that together we may all one day come to that glory in that kingdom which has no end forever in heaven. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Amen.